Hi, this is Greg Kilstrom. Welcome to the Agile World Podcast, where we discuss customer experience, employee experience, and transformation in an agile age. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at theagile.world and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, The Center of Experience, a blueprint for creating an experience-led organization, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of CareerGig and host of the Agile World podcast. I'm excited to introduce the final episode of a special three-part series about how the COVID pandemic has impacted technology roadmaps and how enterprises are leveraging cloud technologies to build resiliency. Brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. Today, we're going to talk about how organizations are recalibrating technology roadmaps while pivoting and prioritizing the big rocks crucial to creating a resilient enterprise in a new digital economy. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome the Vice President of Technology Products and Services at Tech Systems, Ricardo Medan. First, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background and what you do at Tech Systems? Sure, and it's uh, great to be here. Thank you for having us on again, Greg. Absolutely. And relative to what I do at, at Tech Systems, for the last time you had me on the show, uh, I am still blessed to uh, to lead our our technology practice, technology solutioning, and, and service delivery functions here at, at Tech Systems Global Services. Uh, so uh, they they have not seen fit to change the uh, the job description yet. Still doing the same stuff, and very happy to be doing the same stuff. Great, great. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with you again. So let's uh, start this episode by talking about a topic that seems to have gained even more traction uh, during the pandemic: uh, digital transformation. So when we talk about digital transformation or becoming a digitally enabled organization, what does that mean to you? For us, it, it simply means leveraging modern technology and, and modern methods to solve business problems and, and ultimately enhance our customer value, our customer experience. You know, really, really simple. Um, academically, though, I, I do like how George Westerman describes uh, digital transformation and, and enabling uh, digital transformation side of an organization. And, and George is the principal research scientist at MIT, author of, of a really cool book, Leading Digital, if anybody wants to check that out. Uh, but his words in the description is very simply, uh, quote unquote, digital transformation is the phenomenon which marks a radical rethinking of how an organization uses technology, people, and processes to fundamentally change business performance. So uh, for, for us, Greg, we can throw rhetoric and drop fashionable buzzwords like disruption and, you know, a bunch of other cool things to, to try to define yeah. it uh, way more elaborately. But that's sort of it for us. Great, great. Well, it's certainly amazing to witness the pace of change and the acceleration we've seen during the pandemic. Uh, let's talk a little bit about how this uh, global pandemic has altered the landscape and cloud's role in helping organizations rebuild and return to growth. So uh, how has the pandemic impacted organizations' behaviors in terms of how they operate? Yeah, this, this is a big one. And, and I think IDC does a really good job organizing pandemic-induced behaviors across what they call their five stages of recovery. 
they chart these stages on a U-curve, which represents the overall economic declines, troughs, and then the rises and peaks, which various industries and companies are in the throes of experiencing right now. And, and Greg, you and I hear it all the time. We hear things like V-shaped recovery and U-shaped recovery and K-shaped recovery, all these recoveries, right? Um, but IDC's simple U-curve really accommodates most of the postulations in our humble assessment. To try to describe it a little bit, uh, the left side of, of the curve comprises the first two stages uh, of that recovery, which include business continuity as the first stage. And, and that is where we find behaviors aimed at uh, things like just keeping the lights on amidst the shocks in revenue, amidst continued virtualization of entire workforces, other challenges like that. Uh, and then we've got cost optimization, very simply, is the second stage. And like the name implies, uh, behaviors here gravitate towards conserving cash, uh, securing as much of the workforce as possible amidst all of the turbulence. Uh, and generally, the, the behaviors for companies in these stages are defensive in nature. It's all about preserving business, preserving people. Uh, but then we move into the, the middle to later stages uh, on the center to right side of the curve, and they span uh, business resiliency. That's at the bottom of the curve. And here we've got behaviors geared towards uh, ensuring you're built to endure potential recessionary forces that, that we are certainly feeling. We have been and will continue to. Um, but also really along with withstanding the disruption that companies are going to experience from ultimately the fourth stage, aptly named targeted investments. And this is where, where companies intentionally are finding ways to return to growth. Uh, and then we've got the fifth and final stage, which IDC likes, and you've probably heard this term out there. Uh, they like to call it the future enterprise. I'm also doing air quotes for you right now. You don't yeah. see it. <laughs> um, but, uh, but future enterprise is on the top right hand of that, of that curve, of that U-curve. And you know, organizational behaviors here begin to chart what we call the next normal. Uh, the next normal is the overall economy returns to some semblance of, of broader stability. So the, we've got companies in different stages, but I'd say broadly speaking, there are digital leaders and there's digital ladder, laggards, uh, which, which you can discern by behaviors and priorities across that, that span. And unsurprisingly, the, the laggards are companies that are stuck in stages one and two they're conserving cash and hanging on, and the digital leaders are, are showing resilience. They're already innovating into that quote-unquote next normal in stages three through five. And, you know, if, if I could, Greg, I'd like to breathe some real-world life into all of this because that was like a big yeah. academic description. I probably bored <laughs> all of your listeners. But, uh, <laughs> but to breathe some life into that, um, we can unpack how a great customer of ours, Centera Health, uh, who I definitely classify as a digital leader, uh, how they've behaved throughout the pandemic and, and how they're pivoting toward that future enterprise stage all because of the pandemic. Uh, so during the first month of the outbreak, they asked us to implement Sage. And Sage is, is our proprietary AI chatbot platform. Uh, and at least in this instance, we deployed it on Google Cloud, uh, which we'll talk more about later, I'm sure. Um, and they needed Sage to help automate their level one support functions in order to better contend with the crazy call volume that, that happened across the country during the first wave of infections. 
you know, all the big healthcare organizations were getting slammed, as you probably heard and saw and maybe even felt. Um, and, and really to brag on our team a little bit, we stood Sage up on, on GCP on the Google, Google Cloud platform within days uh, compared to a lot of the off-the-shelf options by big AI software providers that take months to implement. But anyway, I digress. Uh, the net-net is that Sage was able to help them drive up vital CX, vital customer experience during scary times for thousands of members, thousands of patients who were uh, you know, trying to, to get a beat on symptoms, trying to get a beat on whether they should see their physician or not, trying to get a beat on a, 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 a parent in assisted living. I mean, just it has, it is still dire, but it was so dire up front. And Sage really helped us automate and reduce wait times and, and really get members and, and subscribers answers that they needed quicker, better, faster. And, and we really like how Sentara describes this. It's quote unquote, innovation at the front lines. And that has now started to bridge to your question, started to bridge their current state with other AI and cloud-oriented transformation post-pandemic. So the behaviors now started to almost telegraph what they're going to be doing around AI and around cloud in the future because of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Well, in your opinion, um, what technology is having the biggest impact as organizations rebuild or optimize the enterprise? Uh, I, <laughs> cloud period. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's it. I figured you that's might that's say that's an easy one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, and along those lines, I mean, so, you know, I, I think that was great. The example that you shared in, in some, in some of those other companies that you're talking with that are, that are thinking about the, the next normal, as you put it, what are some of those, what are some of the other hallmarks, I guess, of their plans or some of the other things that they're, they're keeping in mind when they're, when they're doing that planning? Yeah, um, man, technology plans have, have been impacted in a, in a big way, not just for the remainder of what we got a, a 2020, but, but really if, if Sentara is a good sort of foreshadowing really beyond. And, and, you know, while these plans have been volatile since March, you know, many companies, tech charters, uh, really, you're finding a way to steam ahead. So, if if we just stay on the on the transformation track within the kind of full range of technology plans, uh, we're seeing 59% of IT decision makers saying that pressures stemming from this pandemic are actually accelerating their digital transformation modernization efforts. And further to that end, despite obvious budget concerns, uh, you know, obvious kind of volatility around how companies are being stewards of their capital right now, global spending on transformation and modernization technologies and services are forecasted to grow more than 10% by the end of this year to 1.3 trillion. And that's, that's trillion with a T. I mean, it's, it's still huge to your, to your question, but um, you know, the, the, the spending on digital tools has not been negatively impacted as much as other areas of, of IT um, mostly the, the large scale projects that have been underway are kind of kept intact if they're part of the, the broader strategy. So that's a reassuring thing for all of us. And, you know, to, again, to try to breathe life into some of this, we've got an amazing customer, a global airline, definitely a household name 
that even in spite of the pandemic that we all know has, has certainly impacted uh, airlines, has certainly impacted transportation, uh, they've kept us engaged in migrating and, modern, and modernizing a fleet of customer-facing applications to AWS, Amazon Web Services, uh, because they're able to lower technical debt, they're able to lower TCO, they're able to enhance CX and customer experience. So this program is still intact since we were able to affirm the value to the business, even in light of this sharp drop in airline traffic and, and revenue and all that. So it's it's been very, very reassuring that, that plans whose business cases are tight and are quantified, they're typically still marching, marching forward. Um, yeah. you know, we see, we see a lot of new things too, like digital exhaust and that there's, but you know, I think the, the good news is that if you're proving your business case and your value, the plans are staying intact and they're expanding into that, that next normal. Yeah. So, I mean, clearly a lot of organizations are adopting the cloud and have already adopted it. And, you know, so for those that either are still considering either a move or moving some of their legacy uh, applications and, and things to the cloud, what are what are some of the big rocks that organizations need to first consider or prioritize um, before they integrate with the cloud? Yeah, that, that's 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 a good place to go. And I, I'd say simply uh, value, vision, and expectations are really non-negotiable. Uh, big rocks. You know, we found that <clears throat> unless companies possess aggressive agreement on the business value they're looking to derive from an app cloud migration or a modernization effort. And unless they hold themselves accountable to measurable expectations, they'll usually be really unhappy with the results. And, and that there's a, there's a really pathological trick in there that we're seeing a trickle down uh, affecting and negatively impairing other modernization and transformation efforts uh, inside of the organization that, that will start to stall out like dominoes. Oh, and, and, you know, and the company executives also, in terms of Big Rocks, need to be active sponsors uh, of these initiatives. And or really the projects just become victims to politics, interorganizational budget pressure, stuff like that. So it sounds super obvious that, that any business would really nail down their goals and outcomes with executive sponsorship before jumping in the cloud pool <laughs> or any transformation right, pool. Right. But, but really, you'd, you'd be surprised. So setting setting a vision and goals for the why behind doing cloud having very measurable expectations to holding yourself accountable to very vital and you know very you know and i'll give you like a, a real hypothetical here like you know in quotes uh we're going to migrate and modern like here's the vision we're going to migrate and modernize this order fulfillment application so that we can delight our customers which will validate here's the the quantifiable part you know we'll validate by moving our our NPS scores from 60 to 80, while also reducing technical debt and resulting cost basis somewhere in the order of, and again, I'm making it up, a million dollars yearly, you know, just an example. But, you know, if you start with this approach, Greg, uh, you can actually build real value streams into how you technically deliver these goals across an accountable cloud journey or project plan. And at least here at, at, at Tech Systems, we try to make that process super easy for our customers with a very lightweight, very repeatable value framework process. But, you know, back to the, the big rocks, if, if I could, you know, once that foundation is set, we offer customers a variety of other means and tools to kind of peer into the future at what other 
priorities and big issues, big rocks they have to consider along the journey. And, you know, AWS has, has one tool that we love a lot. It's called the CAF, C-A-F, uh, Cloud Adoption Framework. It's another uh, acronym for you in case you're, you're keeping track. Um, <laughs> we needed another one. But yeah, yeah. We, well, I've got more. I've got more. But, um, <laughs> but we, we leverage that, that framework for, um, for loads of, of app migrations and modernizations. And I'd, on a webcast, I'd probably pop up a visual aid. But for the sake of our listening audience, if, if you picture like an X and Y axis representing time and value respectively, and if you plot your migration journey uh, across which you will experience all the rocks, all the big rocks. But if you if you plot that migration journey on this illustration, typically you start off with low-hanging fruit dev and test workloads at the center point of the axis, like zero, zero for any of the, the you know, cartograph nerds out there. Um, and these, the, these workloads, like, you know, dev and test workloads are easy to lift out of your existing environment. They allow you to experiment and explore how apps actually work in the cloud. You gain confidence. You begin to baseline infrastructure, access, security dimensions. You get to condition your builder community, your users, uh, all of which really helps you begin to set your operating foundation, your principles, your standards, you know, all on this new cool platform. And if you're still kind of on that visual line with me that now is moving across the time axis and slightly up the value line. Uh, at this point, we typically start planning for a mass migration. And that's like the real juicy workloads, Greg, like, you know, production stuff, uh, applications that are way more pertinent and workloads that are way more pertinent to the business. But at this stage of the, of the journey, sometimes you encounter what is referred to as the great stall. And uh, the great stall is, is where you stop moving up the graph on your journey, either because of complexity, internal politics, not getting ROI fast enough. Or maybe you've got like, you know, some internal haters that fear the cloud. Um, maybe there's organizational fatigue. But like to the to the question, uh, some of the big rocks that you really have to nail down at this stage, which take way more thought and way more time are like, hey, do we lift and shift our app? Uh, do we lift and replatform the app? Do we refactor and then shift? And to dignify those questions, you, you've got to address things that you and I have discussed before, like problems in existing architecture, uh, tight coupling, prohibitive dependencies, you know, design and debt flaws that if you remember our, our microservices conversation tries to cure a lot of that. But if you don't and you don't cure those big rocks at this point and you lift and shift your architectural issues to cloud as is, you're just changing the location of your problems. Uh, but since that target platform is, is usually new to a given org, most companies actually double or triple uh, the issues that, that, <laughs> that they're dealing yeah. with. So the, the big rocks become massive boulders. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about um, security. Um, so as organizations increase their reliance on the cloud, what are some of the security concerns that they need to think about and what maybe even what are some misconceptions? Sure. Yeah, this is this is huge. And this is what keeps people up at night. And, and I think it's, it's fair to say that although security's mission uh, is the same as it ever was or is on prem, uh, you know, to lower risk, to lower exposure, to mitigate vulnerability of a, of a company's data and systems, 
Uh, we've not now got cloud, hybrid, multi-cloud environments, and they're certainly making that mission more complex as the reliance uh, grows. Uh, more and more of your workloads get on the cloud, you're going to see more risk. And, and we're seeing a number of organizations right now with related challenges whose initial cloud journey that I tried to describe um, <laughs> was either charted independently or charted with like big box integrators. Uh, eventually we arrive on the scene and you know, we're trying to do some kind of additive migration or integration work, but we get into the environment and Greg, we start tripping over open ports, unprotected databases, you know, open S3 buckets. They're not scanning imported libraries from Git and stuff. It, it's, it's bad. I mean, bad, bad. So no blacklisting of, of bad IPs, just lots of badness. And yeah, for, for us, this is just a big head scratcher because you've got the, the CSPs, the actual platforms, you know, AWS, Google, Snowflake, they, they've got native security features that are pretty solid, uh, but they are indeed complex. And, you know, the responsibility for security is segmented at the network level and it's segmented contractually. So regardless of that cloud platform at the end of the day, Greg, the companies are the guardians of their own data and the guardians of their own access to the data, not the cloud platform. So if companies don't know what they're doing, they can run into big issues fast. You know, we could, we could talk about IAM, identity and access management examples there. Uh, we could talk about things like really cool functions that we like inside of AWS, like this thing called security groups that acts like a built-in firewall uh, for servers, uh, you know, th there are so many neat tools, features, services, functions uh, at hand, um, but that none of it makes any sense unless you've got the know-how, unless you've got a really expert hand to sort of guide you uh, there. So, you know, and that's just kind of existing steady state. We've got, and that's like meat and potatoes stuff with cloud security, but we're dealing with evolving threats and new dilemmas uh, for governance with this work from home phenomena. <laughs> that's right, right. right. It's, I mean, we, we could, we could probably talk for days there, but if, you know, what we're finding now, especially with new collaboration stacks that are spinning up, left and right if if our customers are not actively wrapping and testing and pen testing and threat testing and and then rewrapping that environment uh they've got this like risk accumulation that is getting bigger and bigger and bigger so um the yeah, big big topic but these are these are the concerns now that uh it's really the complexity it's the ownership and it's the ev evolution of, of threats and potential governance issues out there that that has only been heightened and has only been made a, a little more mystifying with this new virtual dynamic that has affected like you know all of the planet right now. Right, right. So besides security and, and some of those other things that you mentioned, what are what are some of the other challenges that organizations may face with with integrations? I know you touched on several, but um, you know, particularly when we're talking about getting value from from investment. Yeah, uh, a, a few areas immediately come to mind, like cost and talent and speed. And, you know, if I could just maybe add some some bullets to each one of these for you, like regarding costs, there, there have been some really misguided articles and white papers put out recently, which have done a fantastically poor job uh, trying to repute, refute the cost savings value 
uh, that cloud gives you. And, and the authors of these papers are curiously targeting AWS, Google Cloud, and Azure and trying to prove that they are more expensive than standard issue on-prem operations. Uh, now, the, the examples that the authors use in these misguided uh, white papers and articles to support their claims, they surround companies who are definitely spending more since they're doing a very bad job of managing their new environment, resources, utilization. But if I were a betting person, I'd put money uh, on these publications being sponsored by rival companies like Oracle, who are just trying to throw some shade at the industry yeah. leaders out there. <laughs> um, but, you know, and instead of innovating and, and focusing on customer value, you've got the, the kind of rivals and the haters that are trying to sort of market and defame their way against the cloud tide. But, you know, that said, cloud is definitely more expensive unless you know how to responsibly operate that environment. And again, at the risk of sounding like an AWS commercial, um, just using them as an example, we'd say that companies who are either squandering their investment or simply looking to better hone their investment, those are candidates for what we call a well-architected review with a focus on cost optimization if we just take that one tier of value to your question. And, and these reviews, these well-architected reviews that, that we do for companies, uh, inside we do things like match supply and demand to ensure that they're utilizing the right volume and right sorts of of instance types for their unique workloads uh, and instances are just servers and, and AWS speak, but you can overspend greatly, Greg, if you're mismatching here. And we also make sure in, inside of these, these reviews that customers are allocating cost-effective resources therein using things like RIs or reserved instances um, in advance. And you can get really steep discounts uh, from an AWS for reserving uh, instances for steady state workloads, which are kind of more predictable or just running all the time. So that is kind of one little activation to really squeeze more value out. Um, we monitor expenditures with things like auto scaling policies that ensures, you know, everybody talks about cloud being the, the, uh, the, the, you know, the biggest scale driver and scale factor on the planet. And it's true, yeah. but you're not running at peak scale all the time. So we help customer set policies that automatically scale out or scale in or turn instances and services completely off during downtime. So, that, you know, those are some of the smart sort of levers and responsible management for that new environment that tries, tries to drive out uh, way more value. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the other areas I could, man, there, there's so many things to talk about there, but to, to be mindful of time and talk about the, the, uh, the other areas and I know we talk about these in our in our version next now publication. So if anybody has the chance to to read that at the conclusion of this podcast, that'd be really cool. Um, but we got talent and speed. And on on the talent side, you cannot just try to staff or recruit your way into transformation or to try to achieve value in the cloud by throwing skills at the problem. You need a great plan and a great partner. Um, and we've got a real good partner in in Sam Coker. He he features in our version next now cloud edition for everyone that's going to check that out after this podcast. But uh, Sam Coker is, uh, and he, he, he's the uh, healthcare lead for solutions architecture at AWS. Um, but he says at the end of the day, it's not the tech that's going to give you value when it comes to talent. It's getting quote unquote professionals up to speed on how to perform their daily tasks on the cloud. And that education is the best gap closer along with a good partner to help. 
So really, we can talk technology all day long, but you need your workforce being able to be like really effective on that platform. And unless you are closing that knowledge gap uh, and retraining and upskilling, then it's kind of all for naught. Um, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, Greg, last either last week or the week before you spoke to Leslie Deutsch from Tech Systems, yeah, yeah. yeah about future workforce. So she leads our learning solutions practice here. Uh, does a fantastic job with learning solutions, and because of her and her team, uh, AWS just named uh, Tech Global Services just named us as their first consulting partner to achieve. Uh, ATP status or AWS training partner status. And that's a, a big, big part of that journey to your question to extract value. So it's another option that we provide our customers of not just going in and helping to move, modernize and migrate infrastructure and applications, but we're looking to do that same modernization with their workforce. And that, that gives them more choices, Greg. It gives them more of an ability to not be holden, to be beholden to us uh, but really to, to have options and how they scale workforce uh, and, and how they, they really try to take their, their cloud plans big uh, in the future. So uh, that, that's just part of our own virtuous cycle. But I, I could probably close this, this part of the conversation off with speed. You know, that's, that's the third biggie. Yeah. I would say that, you know, especially during a time when the pandemic is putting pressure on budgets and and putting you know, real volatile scrutiny on enterprise spend. Uh, we like to stand by the mantra of enabling cloud journeys. And again, in air quotes, I'm doing more air quotes for you. <laughs> and I'm doing them very emotionally too, because it's Hispanic Heritage Month. And I've got <laughs> like, you know, a, a lot of salsa that I have to get out here. But um, <laughs> now we, we do, we stand, we stand by enabling cloud journeys quicker, better, faster. And to you know, not not only do we fulfill those nice words with things like the value framework that, that we discussed or, you know, business modernization framework that we've discussed previously, but we're showing up to our customers with hundreds of thousands of lines of code standing up, uh, reusable cloud foundation libraries, uh, cloud migration toolkits, uh, AI ML libraries, microservices frameworks, uh, automated code pipeline and CICD uh, capabilities, you know, all kind of you know, giant data migration frameworks from Oracle to Snowflake or Redshift or BigQuery. Um, we've got reusable use cases for healthcare, FinServe, consumer products, media and entertainment. You know, it's really about bringing to bear a consolidation of thousands of past performances, all indexed, all organized and continuously groomed uh, in such a way that we can get our customers down the cloud path, again, quicker, better, faster. And for us, that this really just turns our contribution into measurable value when you have somebody like us who does not have to reinvent the wheel for every customer cloud journey or migration or native dev project or, or moder- what, what have you, anything you want to do in the cloud. So that, that's, you know, those, those three, for, for me at least... Uh, stand out mightily, you know, cost, talent, speed. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. Well, I mean, definitely sounds like there's a lot of work ahead for organizations and still a lot of unknowns as well as opportunity for organizations to look to build resiliency and return to growth in the next normal. 
Um, what are what's maybe the next step or some tips or best practices that you would have for organizations to consider on this this cloud journey? And how do you recommend organizations future proof their cloud investments? Yeah, um, you know, even beyond all the savage wisdom that we've ex- exchanged uh, <laughs> so far, um, I could probably summarize by by saying ongoing leadership buy-in leadership alignment, leadership sponsorship of all cloud plans to the top of the house, super important. Uh, Organizations absolutely have to forge remarkable partnerships, not just with their cloud service provider or providers, plural, for multi-cloud enterprises, but also partnerships with a modern system integrator and consulting uh, organization like Tech Systems. And, And really, again, not to be too gratuitous, but to put a fine point on that one during last December's reInvent conference. Uh, you remember, Greg, like last December before civilization, as we know, it ended. Right, thanks right. to <laughs> but, Barely, barely. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but Andy Jassy, AWS's CEO, talked about this sort of modern partner as the new guard, uh, in quotes, of uh, SIs, you know, system integrators who really provably deliver quicker, better, faster across all the emerging platforms out there. So, you know, that that is key that, you know, real modern new guard SI and consulting partner. But on the on the talent topic we covered, I'd say creating more bandwidth for your knowledge workers, uh, free up your best people and really have a program on developing more of your best people, boot camps, upskilling, next gen workforce programs that, that Leslie shared uh, really, really important that organizations empower their employees to chart their own future. Uh, We talked about speed, optimizing your organization for speed and everything, Uh, starting with quick wins, iterating up, like we talked about with cloud adoption framework. Um, You know, and relatedly, this this I know is is near and dear to your heart. And I know we've talked about this before, but, you know, the, the ongoing conversation with our customers about not just doing agile theater, and merely, right. you know, billowing like a lot of hot air around being an agile organization who can make good on cloud investments. But your question, like living and breathing actual cloud agility uh, to drive out value and future proof the investment with important, you know, down to important cultural traits, I'd say, like things like continuous feedback loops across all employees as an accountable mechanism by which you're going to continuously improve and innovate. Uh, is super, super important. And, you know, this doesn't sound techie, but in a more organizational sense and not just cloud related, um, you know, we've put forth the imperative, not just in version next now, but really in our organization of cultivating our leaders here inside of tech global services and our customers, but cultivating leaders for a virtual world during crazy times with a premium, really very simply, Greg, on just being human. Checking in on teams, you know, possessing extreme empathy always and, and keeping well-being top of mind, not just across your teams, but the mental, physical and emotional self-care of the leaders themselves. That that has to happen. And and I guess if I could just cap all that off, I'd say finally, but most importantly, because this is the key that opens up all that other goodness is to hold on to business value as the North Star with without that. In cloud, you're just playing house, you know, truly. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, Ricardo, thanks so much for joining the show. I love that you uh, even found a way to work agile into it. So bonus bonus points for that. (laughs) 
for those listening, uh, what's the best way to keep up with what you and tech systems are doing in cloud space? Oh, gosh. Um, we are all over Twitter. We are all over Insta. We are on LinkedIn. Uh, you can check out version next now uh, at Tech Systems. Uh, there, there are a bunch of different means to, to get to us. Uh, and hopefully, if you're listening, you've probably been the subject of a campaign recently uh, sitting in your inbox. Don't delete it. Check it out. <laughs> lots of good content, lots, lots of good wisdom in there. And, you know, really our goal is to is to talk to as many folks during these, this crazy sort of pandemic era as possible so we can at least help the cloud portion of their experience and the modernization and the transformation portion of, of their experience be as friction free as possible. Great. Well, again, I'd like to thank Ricardo Madan from uh, Tech Systems for joining the show. Learn more about Tech Systems and their perspective on the cloud at techsystems.com slash version next now. I'm Greg Kilstrom. Thanks for listening to the Agile World. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Agile World podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. You can learn more and get a copy of my latest book, The Center of Experience, from my website at theagile.world or on Amazon or other retailers. Until next week, stay agile.